Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast with your hosts, Rail Bricker and Lindsay Adams. And welcome back. Our special guest today is Sylvie DiGiusto, and she uh, t- hails from Europe, and uh, it's a complicated story apparently, but now lives in the US in Tampa, Florida, where the sun never sets and it never gets cold. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Sylvie. Uh, more than a decade ago, she made one of the best decisions of her life to leave her successful 20-year corporate career in Europe and bring her young family across the pond to the USA. She had a newborn in her lap, exercising what she's since called the power of choice, a conscious decision-making framework that allows us to understand our perceptions, choose our behaviours and determine our outcomes. Um, Sounds really interesting. And we're here today to talk about the top five tips for discovering your fair advantage. So, Sylvie, first of all, welcome. Great to have you with us. Thank you very much for having me. I'm so excited to be with you. As I said, it's complicated. You hear a Spanish grandmother, an Italian grandfather, a French father and an Austrian mother. And the latest one is responsible that uh, living in the United States, whenever you tell somebody that you're born in Austria, they ask, oh, did you grow up with kangaroos and yeah, were no. you born in <laughs> yeah. Sydney? So we have a lot of things in common without even knowing. We do, we do, we do. There's no kangaroos in Austria. Uh, Ask Martin Lashkolnig about that. So uh, today, top five tips for discovering your fair advantage. Tip number one, what have you got? Well, actually, to determine what is your fair advantage, do you have a fair advantage? My newest book, Discover Your Fair Advantage, delves into 15 unique selling points of professionals. Because throughout my corporate career, I often had the experience that when people wanted to stand out in the in the workplace, uh, and I asked them, so what is it? What do you stand out for? What is unique about you? They had no answers or very average answers. Very often when we get asked what is unique about ourselves, we get instantly into a comparison trap because we just say things like, you know, I'm a better leader or I'm a better communicator or I'm more empathetic or I offer the best, better customer service. But if I would walk over to your biggest competitor and ask them the same question, well, then you are in a comparison trap and they would probably say, no, I'm the way better leader, right? And I offer the better customer service. So with this book, I help people to identify their true fair advantage, what they stand out for, what is unique about them. And I describe it in 15 unique selling points that each of you can identify. Okay, so Sylvie, let me ask you a question. In Australia, we mm-hmm. suffer from tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. Where you, you know, if you pick your head up too high, somebody's going to try and chop you down. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. so culturally, you know, a lot of people across this country try not to stand out. I mean, yes, we do have our standouts and you see them internationally. But so, so is that different in the U.S.? Uh, yes and no. First of all, let's define what standout really means. You can stand out for the right reasons and you can stand out for the wrong reasons. Very often we make the mistakes that we stand out for the wrong reasons and that has to be avoided. But also the way we stand out is certainly differently different in different cultures and in different regions around the world. But the reality is, if you don't stand out and if you blend in, 
you will not be seen, right? And you might miss opportunities, especially throughout your career, that decision makers in power know about you at the right moment, at the right time. I'm not saying that you should walk into the next meeting and blur out and brag about your latest achievements all the time. Um, what is more effective is to first identify what is actually about uni unique about yourself, what are your superpowers, and then infuse them in different ways that can be your LinkedIn profiles, that can be your elevator pitch, that can be in regular conversations, that can be in your email signature. But as long as you don't know what you actually could stand out for, it is difficult to communicate it, but also to communicate it in an appropriate way. Okay. Well, that makes sense to me. So, uh, tip number two, we, we now understand that we have to stand out. Where to from here? Mm -hmm. Well, the goal of standing out is attention and is visibility, right? And um, I work with four different visibility levels for professionals in organization. The first visibility level is you blend in. Nobody knows about you. You just go on with your work every single day and do your job. And maybe you do it or hopefully you do it quite well, but you don't stand out in the sea of sameness. Some people aspire to be in this visibility level, and that is absolutely okay if you make that conscious choice. But many people are caught in that visibility level and don't know why and why nobody explores their unique gifts. So if you are lucky, you make it into visibility level number two, being visible. However, most often in this visibility level, the challenge is that you are visible not for the right things, meaning I, for myself, have been a very good example. I had a wonderful corporate career, but the first 10 years of my corporate career, I was always the busy bee. Everybody knew whatever they drop off at my table will be taken care of. So I was known for rather my work ethics than for my unique experience. So while I was visible and stood out, I didn't stand out for the right things. And that happens in visibility level number three. Decision makers know about your unique traits. You know about your unique traits. And that is what makes you unique in an organization and prepares you for the next promotion, for the next career level, for the next job in a different organization. But visibility on steroids is visibility level four. And that is when you are so well known for your fair advantage and your unique selling points that people recommend you in rooms where you aren't even present. When at the right moment, at the right time with the right people, the right problem comes up and people know that you have the solution to that problem. So your goal should be to achieve visibility level number four. So Sylvie, if one of our listeners is currently at maybe level one or level two, so they're blending in or maybe they're just visible, how do they jump to the third or the fourth level? What are some strategies or tips to get there? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, is always self-awareness, right? You have to go on a journey of self-discovery to figure out what are you actually unique, what is unique about you. That could be your values and beliefs, your skills and competences, your natural talents or gifts. It could be a passion or obsession, but you have to identify what is unique about you and what would you like to stand out to instantly imprint it on others. 
And then I use a model, a framework called the ABCDE framework to help you infuse those unique selling points. Your A stands for your appearance, the way you look. You know, you want to be known for being very creative. Well, that looks different on you than if you want to be known for being trustworthy or have high values and ethics and morals. Um, the B stands for your behavior, the attitude that you bring to the table. Do you have charisma? What about your ethical and moral decisions that you make? How do you interact with others uh, in those micro moments where we engage with others? And are there ways that you can imprint and infuse your unique selling points via your behavior? The C stands for your communication, your verbal and your nonverbal intelligence. Are you an active listener? And what do your what does your body language, your facial expression say about you? Or your voice or your word choices, your language palette? Do you have an accent like I have? Uh, and then a little bit of a sweet spot is the D for your digital footprint. Because nowadays it actually has become the most important part because when we talk about our unique traits, our fair advantage and our unique selling points, most often we interact nowadays digitally with others. We send them emails. We have virtual meetings. We post on social media. People search for us on Google. We text message. So your digital footprint is actually the first opportunity that allows you to increase your visibility intentionally and in the way you would like it to go. And then there is the E for environment, your social environment. Tell me about your friends, the network that you have, the people you work with, the house you live in, the car you commute to work, you know, everything around you also says something about you and your uniqueness. And clearly none of those points, neither the A, B, C, D, E can work independently. You need to be very strategically in infusing your uniqueness into those five elements and use them to help you become more visible. Okay. So, so Sylvie, I mean, we're talking about people who, who make an active choice to be visible, mm -hmm. to show their fair advantage. I mean, you look across the workforce of thousands or millions of people, you know, mm -hmm. it, do we need everybody to be doing this or is it really just those who want to be the leaders? I mean, what about the person who's at visibility level zero? You know, they mm -hmm. clock in at 9.01 in the morning and clock out at 4.01 in the afternoon mm -hmm. and they go home to their boring life. You know, what, you know, should they be doing something as well? Well, you know, it's all about intentional choices. If this is your intentional choice because you have other priorities in your life, work and career, then uh, go on with this. But uh, what is very often challenging is when people, professionals are in this visibility level and are not aware of it and they haven't made it the intentional choice and are frustrated because they don't get come along, they, they don't get the promotions that they deserve, they don't become the leader that they deserve because they are not visible to the decisions makers in your organization. Your career 
is not HR's jobs, is not your CEO's job. Your career is first and foremost your job. You are in the driver's seat. So only if you make intentional choices, if you want to stand out, how you want to stand out, what you want to stand out for, then you can increase your visibility and at least have the chance that decision makers explore you and put you into the right positions. Okay, so... We, we, we've dealt with tip number one and two. Hit us up. Tip number three. Tip number three. Well, um, I'm also in the business of first and lasting impressions. And I often help then with that A, B, C, D, E model uh, professionals to imprint whatever they would like to imprint. And why is that important from the very first moment? Because we are judgmental human beings, like it or not. I am biased and so are you. And that has nothing to do with the fact if we are good human beings or not. It is just simple brain performance. There are different scientific researches out there. One, for example, says that we make up to 11 major decisions about each other in just seven seconds. We instantly decide if somebody is trustworthy or not, reliable or not, knowledgeable or not. We think about their political opinions, their religious beliefs. And we instantly decide if we would hire somebody, fire somebody, promote somebody, or buy from somebody or buy into somebody. And again, that has nothing to do with the fact if you are a good human being or not. It is just simple brain performance. So your initial interaction with somebody at work or beyond work is tremendously important because people unconsciously think that they know something about you. And then afterwards, unfortunately, very powerful sources are working against you. Unconscious biases. You know, our brain is actually quite lazy. It doesn't like to work. That's why it takes shortcuts and relies on past experiences and learnings that we have from our childhood, our parents, our caregivers, our mentors, the way we grew up, our culture. And so it takes shortcuts. And one of the things our brain, for example, does is we always want to be right. We never want to be wrong. So we instantly look for proof. So if you want to be known for, stand out for, for example, for being trustworthy, but your first inter uh, interaction with somebody doesn't imprint trust, it imprints for whatever reason the opposite, well, then you are screwed because their proof, uh, their brain is looking for proof that you really aren't trustworthy and they ignore everything that goes against that first initial opinion. And that's why the first impression, but also the last impression you make on somebody is so important. I will share a simple example with you. Um, well, and Lindsay, if I would give you a list of 20 terms now to memorize, right? 20 different terms. Which one would you probably most remember in 10 minutes? The last one would be the easiest, wouldn't it? Yes, the first ones and the last ones. And that is something, again, our brain does to save energy. Very often we remember the first interaction we have somebody and the last interaction we have somebody. And our brain devalues everything that is in the middle just to save energy. Well, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I... I've trained my staff in my, all my businesses mm -hmm. uh, to answer the telephone. Doesn't matter which business they're answering for, but you know they'll say hello, welcome to whatever the business name is. My name is mm -hmm. Rachel 
or whoever it is in my team. Mm -hmm. And so the last thing the person on the phone hears is their name and mm -hmm. it's personal. It makes the whole conversation personal. So they've mm -hmm. forgotten what they said about what company they phoned, but mm -hmm. they're picking up the name. And it's the same, I guess, the same idea of that first impression, um, you know, in terms of how they they remember to interact with them. You've made your lasting impression or your first impression. And what do they say? You you only have you don't have a second chance to make a first impression. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and uh, what you just said about your telephone call is such an amazing yeah. example because we say the first impression brings you into the room or gets you a customer, but the last impression gets the customer back. They will always remember that you still remembered their name at the very end of this conversation. Fantastic. So hit us up. Tip number four. Tip number four were the five ways to infuse your fair advantage. And now I'm probably getting in trouble with you because we already discussed them. This is what I refer to the ABCDE framework, which we already covered before. But if I can give you five tips in every single area, it is in terms of your appearance, you do not want to stand out for the way you look. You want to be known for your value, the added value that you bring to the table for your skills, for your experience. The moment people remember you for something that you have been wearing or some way that you look, you have done something wrong because then you have distracted from your real value. When it comes to your behavior, keep in mind that those are often micro moments that might not be important to you, but very important to the other person. In that moment, letting somebody walk into the elevator first or last, sitting down at a table first or last, uh, looking somebody into the eyes when you shake hands or using their name on the telephone when you interact with them. Those are tiny details, you know, in the big pictures of millions of decisions that we make every day. And that's why most of them we actually make on autopilot. And that's the big problem because those micro moments could mean a lot to the other person you interact with. When it comes to your communication, um, remember that very often we communicate without saying a word, right? It is our body language and our facial expressions. And if that is not congruent with what we are going to say in the next moment, uh, then you are in trouble, then you have leakage. Uh, it's how we call it. And uh, also when it comes to your communication, for example, keep in mind the tip that we know that people will remember the first 12 words subconsciously that you say to them. So most of us in the United States, we start with, how are you doing? Nobody will remember you for how are you doing. But what if you would go on the person's LinkedIn profile and find similar contacts or great news about their organization? Do the prep work that you start your conversation already with 12 impactful words that the person instantly show, oh, wow, somebody has taken care of prep before and invested the time to get to know me. Your digital footprint, the D, has become incredibly important. It's the first place where you need to clean up. Like it or not, it's just nowadays nature that people Google your name and we have all done it. And whatever shows up will impact the way if you ever get into a room. 
Now, not showing up is not a solution also anymore because we all know that we Googled the name and there were no digital breadcrumbs out there and we got suspicious. What's wrong with that person? Does it even exist? So you can craft your digital footprint, but craft it in a way that it's authentic to you. And if that means it's, it's just one LinkedIn profile and nothing else, then do at least that. And last but not least, your environment, the people you surround yourself with have a huge impact on yourself, uh, but also on the way they are perceived. You can't hang with the Kardashians and hope that you are perceived as the Pope. <laughs> Yeah, that's the quote of the day. <laughs> I love that one. The Kardashians and be perceived as being with the Pope. Yeah, wonderful. All right, then, Sylvie, uh, let's round it off. Uh, finish up for us tip number five. Well, very often we are sabotaging our fear advantage and it's an inside job. It's not so much an outside job. We sabotage ourselves, first and foremost, with our negative self-talk, with our self-criticism, with our self-doubts. When we are not sure about how amazing we are, why would other people think that we are? such a big deal, right? So be careful how you talk to yourself in your head because it impacts the way you appear, behave and communicate and it also impacts the way how others react of you to you. Then the comparison trap. Stop comparing yourself to others. You are unique and that is just fantastic in the way you are unique. There is no reason for you to look left or right because that will always bring you in a comparison trap. Instead, find something about you that none of your other competitors has to offer and not just something that you do better, find something that you do different. And last of but not least, um, self-promotion. You mentioned that in the beginning, yes, there's a cultural difference and how to self-promote yourself in diverse environments. And I'm not saying that you should go out and pat yourself on the shoulder constantly. But if you don't promote yourself, who else should promote you? It is your responsibility. Sylvie, how do we stop self-criticism? I, I was talking to a friend the other day, a, a business colleague, and she said, oh, I'm really worried. I'm, I'm going to do a presentation in Malaysia. I don't think I've prepared enough. I don't think, I don't think. And I said, stop. Mm -hmm. You know you've got this nailed. And, and I really went hard on her to stop this negative um, outward talk. But how do we stop it ourselves? Is there a way to do that? Well, first of all, I think there is healthy self-criticism and unhealthy self-criticism. People who don't self-criticize themselves at all are also on the wrong path, right? They don't have the right self-awareness to realize that we are not amazing at everything. But if you just focus on the things that you are amazing at, then it becomes difficult if you ruin that self-confidence with negative self-talk. And I have a very practical tiny tip for you. Every time when you have such a thought in the future, I want you to end it with the word darling. Try it Ooh. to yourself. I, I can't do that, darling. I'm not good enough at this, darling. Call yourself a darling. And it always reminds me that most of this is just happening in my brain. And
Thank you for sharing your amazing five tips, uh, top five tips for discovering your fair advantage. I look forward to reading your book on fair advantage and your new book that's coming out. If our listeners want to get hold of you and uh, track you down and work with you to create their fair advantage, how do they get hold of you? Thank you very much for asking. They find me all over the internet. If you don't find my name or type in my name and you don't find anything, then you don't have internet. Um, but uh, <laughs> just look out for my website. There are a lot of uh, free materials. There's a free perception audit that you can take to find out how the world perceives you. You find me on Amazon with my books. You find me on social media, on Instagram, on uh, LinkedIn or wherever you look for. And you find me in sunny Florida where we don't have kangaroos, just like in Austria. Thank you very much, Sylvie, for joining us today on the Top 5 Podcast. Thank you to my co-host from Brisbane, Lindy Adams. This is Railbricker from Perth, Western Australia, signing off for another edition of the Top 5 Podcast.